Welcome to the Modern Rustic. I'm Russell. I'm Zach. I'm Mike. We are a community-based podcast from the heart of the Fraser Valley, where we have classic conversations about our current culture and the impact we have on it. Do you just do we just do an intro right away now, Zach? I think it's really rare that we do. Yeah, I think that what we should do is we should meander around nothing for about thirty-five minutes. Okay. And then introduce. Like, oh yeah! By the way, thanks yeah. for coming. That happens a lot. Uh, but we're not going to do that. We're going to switch it up, and we're going to introduce our very special guest, Lyndon Vanderpool, to the show. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. It's great to be here, and I've really been looking forward to this for a while now. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. Uh, that was uh, was it at Dylan and Val's wedding? Yes. That it came up yeah. for us. So that would have been few months back. That was end you know. of July, yeah. yeah. So we've been hot, hot potatoing it for a while. So we've but, had uh, lots of time to think about what I'm going to say. Okay. <laughs> Is there anything pressing that you need to get off your chest right away? Right away? Um, Any summer plans? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> summer, yeah. yeah, I guess my info's all outdated now. <laughs> um, I'm sure we'll get into it. Okay. Awesome, long-winded explanations of things yes. i'm sure uh yeah. you are obviously since you already wooed us with your tech expertise uh you're obviously uh knowledgeable in that regard but why don't you tell us what you do for a living um so i am a videographer primarily um and i also get into photo- into photography as well um yeah. And so I operate a business with my wife called Link Creative, and we do a lot of wedding coverage, um, but also some commercial stuff as well Mm -hmm. right now. So by commercial, do you mean like car washes or is it like big corporate sponsors? It's a a lot of corporate interviews. Um, We've been doing a lot of recruitment videos lately. Um, So having an employee talk in front of the camera, you know, we set up the lights, the audio, everything, and then just pair it with some B-roll. Um, but that's that's more the commercial side, yeah. Hmm. What has been your favorite project to work on? My favorite project to work on? That's a great question. Probably the Mission Mural coverage. Hmm. So over in Mission, there was a huge mural that went up. I think it was like almost 200 feet wide. It was something crazy basically this big concrete section next to the highway that runs through mission mm-hmm. and so ufv uh with their arts program uh designed a mural and so it was like 20 students went through and did this thing and i was hired to cover it and kind of produce a mini doc on it that ended up being like six and a half minutes hmm. and that was my favorite project so far interesting interesting mm-hmm. what what where is the mural i i'm not familiar with it so it's uh so if you're coming into mission from abbotsford and you hit the low heat that yep. intersection there you take a right and after you pass the roccos it's on your left almost oh, immediately okay. and you can't miss it it's it's huge Hmm. And it, it depicts um, kind of a nature scene, and it's got this gradient of color, so it transitions from, like, blue-greens to more, like, red-purple tones. And it's really cool, because it's designed to be viewed as you drive past it, hmm. not standing and looking at, at it all in one go. It's like a, like a moving mural. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a gradual, like, yeah, that's, that's how it's meant to be Yeah. Interesting. I always like stuff like that. You know, it's a little bit different. It's mm-hmm. a little bit 
off the cuff. It's, mm-hmm. eh, okay, you can just put a picture up there, some mountains, some people holding hands. Oh, friendship community. We love it. But let's put a twist on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And what I discovered when shooting that that was really interesting was how effective it is at preventing vandalism. So mm. before, it was just a huge canvas. And people, they call them taggers. They go by and they'll write something or spray paint something. Um, And this project kind of came to be because of that. The city was looking at how can we prevent that. And that's when they looked to work with UFV and and design a mural, which was really cool. So they covered a bunch of bases. The students got to do their mural project and have that valuable experience. But now the city also covers up a canvas for taggers and graffiti artists. Um, and it's it's this bright piece that just kind of brightens up the city a bit, mm-hmm. I think. I, I find that as well. I, I never thought of it that way, that if you put murals on everything, we would never really have graffiti. Yeah. And I that's really brilliant, actually. It's, it's an interesting look at human nature, you know, mm. that people respect the work of other people. Right. And the time and effort that goes into it. The majority of people respect it. Yeah. I think, like, it was, like, the week before they finished, someone took a Sharpie and just went across <laughs> quite a bit. But the mural's massive, so it's, like, a tiny line on the thing, and they covered it up pretty yeah. quick. Yeah, I feel like even, and I know nothing about the uh, underground graffiti scene, in Mission especially, but I feel <laughs> like even among the the artists and the taggers, and the criminals, there is still like a little bit of a code where it's like, hey man, yeah. don't don't do that. That's just not cool. Well, I think that's even a thing internally in quote unquote tagging cultures. Like, if somebody makes a piece of graffiti art, mm-hmm. or however the kids are saying it, <laughs> you, that doesn't get sprayed over. That's like considered right. an insult. So they probably you know a mural is the same way. That yeah. makes sense. Because yeah. I always I always watch the trains go by whenever you're sitting waiting for a train. And then they're always graffitied, most of them. Yeah. But you never see somebody right on top of another guy. No. Interesting. Wouldn't want to start a graffiti turf war. No, you wouldn't. Oh. Yeah. Now that is what a movie we should make. Yeah, that'd be a lot of paint. Oh, that'd be cool. <laughs> Do you think they have those? Paint? Graffiti turf Graffiti wars. wars. <laughs> like, there's, like, one tagger, and he's got a crew, and he, there's, like, another rival tagger, and they both tag it. They I both, don't know what they would They do. both show up to the same place at the same time to tag them. <laughs> <like that. laughs> it's, like, it's West Side It's probably very passive-aggressive, if it exists. Yeah. Like, nothing probably ever happens. It's just, like... It's all glances, I think. Yeah, because mm-hmm. you would never meet them in person. Like it's it's you, all diss tracks. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. you would show up on a Tuesday night, and they're like, okay, we're going to tag this spot, and then they come on the Wednesday, and they're like, oh, we got to tag this also. Oh, that'd be so cool. <laughs> I would love to have somebody on that, like, like that is like a graffiti artist. Yeah. Like, underground. We'd have to do that thing to their voice. Yeah. 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 And they have the silhouette <laughs> interview. Yeah. You could well, take we, their we picture that, and it just be... We got be... that taken care of. <laughs> yeah, we'll just put a blanket yeah, on it. Put... Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. We'll figure something out. Like a voice modulator and all that? Yeah. yeah. Ah. If there was one person that you could make a movie for, who would it be? Ooh. That's that's a big question. One, one per like anyone. Sure, yeah. Hold on. I've actually got to think about this. Take your time. Take your time. 
how do we go about getting someone from the graffiti scene on here? Craigslist. Craig, you, you think that would work? No, we, we spray paint our, <laughs> our logo <laughs> for our podcast and be like, could be you. Oh, and then we put the Instagram below it. It's like those those ones that they always yeah. uh, spray paint now on like the like the meridian the medians on like the roads where it's like oh seektheTruth.com or something like that. Those are great, but we do that. But it's like hey, the Modern Rustic Podcast. We we want you and like a little guy with a fist. Yep. it's a flawless idea. <laughs> they can never trace it back to us. Can't yeah. see any problem. <laughs> I'm still thinking about that that movie question, and I've got nothing. That's, that's okay. That's just a loaded. It's a loaded. Do you question. like? Wh- how did? What was the impetus for you getting into film in general? Like, and movies, not just film, but impetus. Like the beginning. What was the What was the idea behind it? Your inspiration. Did you all have you always loved creating and tech and videography? I've always been a massive nerd mm. since I was like there's there's actual video of me I was four years old or three I didn't know how to read or whatever and I'm I'm typing in cheat codes into the Star Wars game that I was playing <laughs> and I knew how to spell chicken I yeah. didn't realize I was typing chicken but I knew that that code unlocked the Imperial Walker that you could use in the game mm. and I've always had a passion deep passion for technology and video as well I was doing stop motion with Lego which I feel like was a classic thing of, like, the 2000s. Yeah, yeah they don't do that a lot anymore. No, no. Even even the Lego movie, it's all CG. Yeah. They, they didn't it's do... It's a shame. It's not oh, actual stop motion. Oh, that would be really interesting if they did another Lego movie, but all stop motion Lego. I wonder how different it'd look, because they, they even did things for the Lego movie, even though it's all in the computer, they added, like, fingerprints yeah. to the, to the Lego pieces. it still has pieces. that, like, stuttery look. Like, they yeah. tried to make it look stop motion, which is cool. Really, really well done. Yeah. I think my home films were better. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, they were not. I made, like, three, and they were all garbage. Uh, I mean, garbage but, to you, but to maybe to someone else, it's a masterpiece. Oh, I'm sure they're long lost now anyways. Uh, but gonna, we'll find them. All, all that to say, I really enjoyed it and was always drawn towards it, and it kind of faded away. Um, I, I did a few interview projects in high school because I... It was something that I do. I I knew how to use a video editor, basically, a mm-hmm. uh, little bit more than movie maker, and then uh, and then I started uh, went into university, uh, working on a business degree. Still not on the radar, video photography, anything like that. I think for a big reason because I always felt like it was a starving artist thing. Mm-hmm. Like I could do video stuff but I wouldn't be able to pay the bills and I'd be living off of ramen bowls and mm-hmm. rice. Right. And then I started working a sales job in, I guess this would have been twenty beginning of 2020 and I was supposed to travel. And then the pandemic came about one month after I started this sales job, wow. right. which I was basically going to be a traveling salesman and I needed to adapt to make my job worthwhile Mm. um why should they keep me on board if i can't do anything so i looked at videos that i could then share to potential clients and that kind of sparked that interest again and i started to get into it more and more i picked up a camera i had no idea what i was doing 
by pure luck, I bought a decent camera and then I started calling myself a videographer. And my uncle referred me to a studio in Burnaby and I did a tour with them to check out the studio and I sent them my portfolio, I'm doing air quotes, um, which was basically thrown together after we did the studio tour and I saw all the lights and I'm like, I said to Keely, like, we need to like go to the dollar store, buy some colored backdrops and like throw together something because I want to do this. And uh, I sent it off and I never heard anything from them. And that was in, I think that would have been July that we did the tour. And then now we're, this is last year, October, I get a text from the, the owner of the studio and he says, hey, we had someone drop out, can you come in tomorrow? Hmm. And so what I think happened is they keep a list of camera operators or whatever, production assistants, and they go through the list if one of them can't make it. And I feel like I was at the very bottom of the list because my portfolio was nothing. Right. <laughs> it was very poor and it was a last ditch effort. Um, and I showed up and I worked my tail off. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to curse yeah, go on ahead. this. I to. worked my ass off on set. Um, I was super into it and they loved it. And they kept calling me back and it became a weekly thing. I, I went there. I was absolutely fascinated with it, uh, with, with the work that they did. And I thought it was so inspiring. I'll never forget going into the studio for the first time and thought, how can I ever do this? And, and seeing like the set designer place everything and how does she know where to place all these things? What colors work? It's just so, so over my head. And a few months in, I was setting up everything, um, doing some of the dressing and kind of pointing out like, oh, here's what I think we could do and changing the light. And it was just, okay, like, I, I feel like I've kind of become more comfortable with this. Um, then we branched off and started doing our own thing. Um, and that actually leads me into one of the topics that I message you about, which is ADHD or attention, uh, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, mm -hmm. which I was diagnosed with earlier this year after suspecting it and being kind of aware of it for about a year. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was actually, uh, the set designer at that studio who said, Hey, have you ever gotten checked out for ADHD to just because she had been she had been diagnosed I believe and just wanted to kind of pass it along because it changed her life um, and so I started looking and I'm like holy cow yeah um, and the the little things like the reason I was able to become proficient at the video work so fast was because of it because I hyper focused on the video work and I couldn't get enough of it I'd go home and I'd be watching YouTube videos of how to take better video and how to use the camera better. Um, and it was just that intense um, ability to not focus on anything else. I, I wouldn't eat to just to look more and more into it. I couldn't get enough. Um, and for that reason, I was able to become proficient at it and stay at that studio for a while. Um, and that journey is something that I want to share because if there's someone who hears it and starts to think, oh, maybe I've got it, it, it could change your life just by being aware about it. Mm -hmm. 
So you... <clears throat> that was a lot of talking from <laughs> No, me. that's okay. You guys are great listeners, this by is, the way. <laughs> literally why we do this. This okay. is amazing. Okay. Uh, oh, that's so cool. So you, you give the credit to your ADHD for what you have now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, okay, where, where to start? There's so many, so many points that stem from this. Go for it. Um, to, to me, working in that sales job, even though I was doing some video stuff, it was a nine to five. Mm -hmm. And the idea of working a nine to five for the rest of my life crushes me. I, I can't stand the thought of it. And that was a big driving factor because the big thing about ADHD is you start a job and for the first month or two, as it's a challenge and you have to learn it, it's interesting. You're engaged, you work super hard. And as you start to lose that challenge, you understand the job, that engagement starts to fade. Um, and especially it's, it's regular hours, it's all very predictable. And that's where then you start to become very disinterested in it. Uh, and I found myself just kind of losing that energy and that drive with my job and I thought because it had happened with previous jobs too and I thought I, I have to break this cycle but I didn't know how I was going to do it um, and it turns out one of the great ways to do it was to start a business right. because there are always challenges it's always changing it's always growing um, and there's different ways to learn new stuff uh, but still stay in the same line of work with it which was a huge help and if I didn't have ADHD I would not have started the business period hmm. I'd probably still be working my sales job Wow. <laughs> yeah that's so interesting that's something that a lot of people see as a negative mm -hmm. or uh, even even some sort of handicap is actually mm -hmm. something that pushes you ahead and gives you a step up and I have to give credit to my wife of course because and my family, and uh, and like my in-laws, um, every everyone around me that's enabled me to to do this. But especially Keely because she is so organized, <laughs> and as as much as I am involved in the business, she's involved twice as much. She she puts in so much to it, and her organization helps us succeed. Um, it's not like on my own with my ADHD, like I'd probably start it and after three months it'd be a dumpster fire and I'd have to have to bail out. Um, so it, the, the, the disability is still there, um, but it's created opportunities that we've then been able to capitalize on. And being aware of the ADHD has helped too, so I can look at how can I keep myself challenged um, and, and stay focused on it, even when it's not the most interesting thing in the world to me. Interesting. Kind of interested to unpack um, what it was like, because from what I understand, it's not that common, first of all, and second of all, quite difficult to get a diagnosis for something like that as an adult. Like, from my understanding, if, if you don't catch it as, like, when you're a kid, it's pretty tough to get a diagnosis as an adult. So what was that, what did that look like? Was there challenges there? So, I think it went under the radar because I saw myself as unmotivated, um, right. like through through high school, especially as we started to get through homework. It's one thing to be in class, like okay, I'm here, I might as well do the stuff, write the tests. But then when it came to homework, I was totally just disinterested. But I think I was smart enough to get through school and get 
passable grades that it was able to go under the radar because I hardly did homework in, in high school. Um, never studied. And I just kind of went through the motions of the school system. Um, so it, it never really was a thing for me. I just thought, oh, I just don't like doing homework. And the, the big the big negative ADHD thought is, oh, I'm lazy, which isn't true. There's your your brain is that that area is dysfunctional. It's not because you're lazy. It's just because it takes so much more energy to accomplish those tasks than someone the term is neurotypical hmm. would need to put in. Interesting. Yeah, there there is a lot to unpack. Hey, that's, that's why we're here. <laughs> yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. Was that like, would you say that learning as an adult was, was difficult or was it kind of like enlightening to, to learn about that and then be able to look back at your own life, like with this whole new lens? Yeah. What's, what's the best word? Enlightening is a good word for it. Um, it was, it was powerful discovering that and especially officially receiving the diagnosis is like it's like this huge weight lifted and and it's like oh wow you know all the times I would beat myself up over not doing homework or whatever it's it's all because of this this disorder that I didn't realize that I had um so it's I I'd say liberating in a way felt a bit more free um and yeah. it felt like you had an explanation. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 The, definitely. Um, and by by being aware of it, too, I could then kind of work with it and see how, how can I make sure that I don't fall into whatever cycle um, where I become, you know, disinterested in something and I don't do it. How do I make sure I still keep doing that thing? Mm. Um, and by being aware of it, then I could be proactive mm. with it. So how do you do it? Um, the the big thing is is always always finding something new to to learn with it. So in the case of video work, it's uh, well, video is great because there's like a million different things you need to consider when you're shooting video. Um, there's the camera, of course. And there's a hundred different things you can learn about how to use a camera. But even more importantly, it's lighting and it's audio and all of these different things. How do you direct someone when you're doing an interview? And all these different ways that I can grow and challenge myself. And that keeps me interested in it. And then when it comes to editing as well, how can I do motion graphics better? How can I make my transitions smoother and tell the story better? Um, and there's a lot of room to, yeah, just keep on learning. And, and that's where then I'm able to thrive mm. in that environment. I like that. What's uh, what's something that you're learning right now? Right now, uh, I'd say light is a really big one. Um, and that was one that I was able to really become aware of in that Burnaby studio because it's all lights. You, you start in the studio and it's pitch black and you control the light. There's no sun, nothing's by chance. It's all very deliberate and oftentimes you make it look like it's the sun shining through a window or whatever. Um, that's one thing I'm working on right now, as well as um, more audio. Mm. Focusing, people really underestimate audio, especially with wedding videos. It's, it's, 
it has so much potential. I see a lot of wedding videos that become music videos, where it's this really gorgeous looking footage of this beautiful couple and they're having their big day and there's just music to it and it's in slow motion and it's like, okay, you can kind of visually see how the day was, but to be able to hear people's voices, excitement, laughter, applause, whatever, it just adds so much more to it. So that's one way I'm trying to push myself uh, in that regard. Hmm. So is the ultimate goal that you want to do your own like video productions and stuff, where you want to just kind of kind of keep doing what you're doing now? Eventually, we w we want to scale to the point where the business is able to be independent of us, um, and and we can kind of provide direction um, and and manage it. Um, but that's, that's the end goal. Yeah. Everyone wants to direct. Yes. <laughs> well, I think in particular, I, you never stop learning, but at a certain point, I, I, I wonder when it will come where I run out of the energy to challenge myself with it. And I, I want to make sure that we're able to hit that point before that happens mm -hmm. so that I have the knowledge, but it's not necessarily, I need to be on every single day to keep the business alive. Right. Hmm. Is any part of that so that you can kind of move on to the next thing? Because that kind of sounds like an ADHD thing almost. Yeah. Like you want to get to the point where you don't have to do it so that you can move on to the next kind of... <laughs> yeah. Pe yeah. People with ADHD, it's like the, they have a hundred hobbies yeah. that they've all tried in the past year. It's very expensive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I... With, whether or not there's a next thing it, it really does feel like this is it like yeah. we've we've really by by chance come, come across this and it's working keely's very into the photography side of it i'm very into the videography side of it and it it works it's dynamic enough that we can keep it changing and interesting i'm not sure if there's a next thing no. that that will be after this even from like an entrepreneurship perspective i we're we're really all in uh, on this business yeah. and you should be yeah yeah that's what it takes if you don't give 110 percent, you're wasting your time we're both full-time in it yeah. keely keely quit her job at the beginning of october and i've been full-time since beginning of this year um and we're sustaining ourselves so far what's what's the schedule do you just do you know weekend weddings or are you like every day and then you like just do you know cut and paste and footage on the weekdays or we thought we were gonna have a much more open schedule especially <laughs> once Gilly quit her job um we thought oh yeah you know we'll have a couple of weeks to kind of breathe you know october was our busiest month ever <laughs> and it it hasn't really let up there's always something to be doing so our schedule is all over the place, but it's more than a nine to five. I mm. feel like at times um, there's there's just so much. Like this past weekend, I got a call about an hour before a shoot, mm. and they're like, "Hey, we need a camera operator," and it's just a scramble. There goes my Saturday, and it was a great time, but it's just so all over the place. But I love that. Mm. I, th I think that's an ADHD thing. I kind of I kind of thrive in the chaos a little bit. If it's all over the place, I'm I'm here for it, <laughs> and that's where I need my wife. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you always need that that uh, sounding board. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Interesting. 
Uh, I'm interested to learn more about the uh, the commercial side of things that you do. Because that's something I think that a lot of people don't think about when they think videographer. Like, I think people don't think about the people that film the instructional videos that they watch when they start a new job. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a little bit of what like what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of that, that area of it. So what, what are you curious about regarding I'm just curious about kind of what the, I guess what the workflow is. Like, is it a different feel on, on those kinds of things? Are people still excited about like the craft of making something like is there still a creative itch being scratched for me yes yeah and i for some reason i love shooting interviews i i don't know it's it's kind of something i feel like you can always come back to um and you can there's still space to be creative uh i guess the big thing is your backdrop what's behind the person and you have so many ways it's it's an opportunity to tell the story just the background so for instance um we we just shot an interview last week and the one was it was three interviews with a company and one was in the guy's office so you could see this is where he works he's got the photo of him and his wife on the wall and then um the the other interview we did in a hallway uh, near the like office where the other person works. You can see people kind of moving in the background and stuff happening. It just adds to it. Uh, and that definitely scratches a creative itch for me. Um, and not something that I think people would think about so much. The thought that goes into the entire frame yeah. of the video. Hmm. Yeah, it's always interesting hearing from somebody that does the behind the scenes of something. Right. You know, whether it's the video that you're watching and you don't even think twice about how it was made. And then you talk to someone like you and it's like, oh, this was so beautiful when we made it that way and we curved it and we zoomed in a specific way and you, you revel in the art of it. Right. It's like 90 percent of the conversation on set. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I get it. Like, I, I don't know anything about videography, but, you know, when you go to a grocery store and you and someone says, oh, I wonder where this jug of milk comes from like hey i get that you know they don't understand what went into it yeah but i do mm -hmm. and i'm like ah, it's nice mm -hmm. you think about it right mm -hmm. totally yeah jug of milk right <laughs> there's a lot there's it. a lot that goes into there's that a jug lot of milk. that goes into it not a lot of people asking that question though they <sighs> should ask it more probably that's what the podcast is for, right? That's exactly what the pod... Well, one of the reasons, yes. That's one agenda we're pushing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We have multiple. Have you gone into the jug of milk before on the show? Uh, I don't... Not in deep discussion, really. But, yeah. I, I mean, we talk about dairy a little bit here and there. But we just... I don't know. We haven't had a lot of, like, actual... Like, I haven't done a deep dairy dive. A deep dairy dive. That nah, hasn't mm. happened yet. I mean, I'm open to it. I'm see, sure you are. See. Um, that's the thing that I like to talk about for hours on end. <laughs> Among the 20 other things. Irregardless. So, you do a lot of wedding videos. Mm -hmm. Do you feel... I don't know how I'm going to say this without insulting you. Um, okay, so... How does it feel to create something that fills a niche for someone on their special day that people that 10 years ago people didn't even think about doing 
Okay, there's a couple. There's a couple big things to unpack there. Okay. So the first, the first one being how it feels to to capture that and provide that memory yeah. for people. Um, but. I think you were you kind of alluded to this in the last bit is 10 years ago people weren't really thinking about I'm assuming videography yeah like you were lucky to get a couple of good shots at your wedding yeah I it used to just be you know uncle's got a camcorder and we'll set it up and everyone's got the wedding video that's on the it's like the VHS style thing Mm. and it's totally evolved yeah um so that that is one point that I really want to get into, and the first one uh, is it, it's awesome. It's mm-hmm. it's one of my favorite parts about capturing weddings is knowing that you know ten years, twenty years from now they'll be able to look back at that and really get a feel for what what was the day like because it goes by so fast, mm-hmm. um, and we get to slow it down for them mm-hmm. and they can relive it, and that's what I love about video. And also ties into the second part of the question um, is video is such a rich way to relive a memory. Um, this isn't Harry Potter. We can't hang up video frames, or I guess we could now. There are there, yeah, yeah, there are the digital frames. I'm not big on those, but photos are so easy to share. Mm. Super easy medium to to hang up on the wall or post online, but video is at minimum 24 photos every second. And there's the addition of stuff like audio, which is a really, really big deal. And I don't think enough videographers take audio seriously because it's a big missed opportunity. Um, And being able to provide that for wedding couples. And now that's something I'm trying to challenge myself with more and more is tying in that audio, just little, little bits. If If there's a clip of the groom and the best man laughing together, bring that laughter into it so they can hear it. Um, and it's really cool to provide that for them. Um, did I say that I was a big sap already? You just did. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm a big sap, so I, I really appreciate being able to be a part of the day. It's it's really cool. Hmm. I like that. I like I like anything that you can do as your job, as your profession, that makes people happier. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, so many people work jobs that don't bring any pleasure they don't add anything to the world but you know you're you're bringing something to the table and it's making people happier it's very direct it's very tangible we probably our favorite part is after we deliver the stuff and we hear back from the people and oftentimes it's you know a few all caps words lots of exclamation marks they're like we love it we love it and We've been we've been drunk texted before. <laughs> that a- after we left the wedding, we got messaged, um, and they said some really sweet things, and we're like, oh yeah, they're probably a little under the influence, but mm-hmm. it's sweet. It's we we know they mean it. The sentiment is there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and that's that's one of the coolest parts. Is it's so tangible, uh, the the benefit and the value that you're you're providing. Mm. Have you seen, as a tangent, have you seen anything just completely bonkers at a wedding? Ooh. Like something unforgettably crazy. Or silly. Or just like the worst mix-up. Unforgettably crazy. I have to say we've been pretty fortunate. Like, we have not had a single... People talk a lot about bridezillas. We, Mm. We haven't encountered that 
at all. I feel like part of that is people, Bridezilla has become such a commonplace term that now everyone's a lot more aware and um, trying not to be like that. Mm. Uh, I think that's part of it. Nothing super crazy. It's it's all very different. Um, like we we've done, like there's of course like the the traditional Western weddings, but we've also done some more different culture weddings, and those have been very interesting and very out there from what I'm used to experiencing, but in a really good way. Hmm. Um, one of the coolest things is we uh, a while back I covered an Afghan wedding mm-hmm. and. They were the most hospitable people ever. Um, without asking, I had a drink in my hand. One, one hand with a drink, one hand with the camera. Mm-hmm. It was just family, like, just bringing it over, like, here, like, eat, like, drink. It, enjoy yourself and, and have a good time. And that was really, really cool. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you've been doing this for a, almost a year, about a year, a little more? A little more than a year yeah. now, yeah. How many weddings have you done now? I think we lost count at like 15. Okay. Yeah. Having done 15 weddings in about a year, is there anything you're sick of seeing at weddings? Like any cliches from this interesting perspective? Yeah. Like a don't for anybody who might be planning a wedding that's listening right now. If you are planning a wedding right now and you're listening to this, Hmm. That's a tough one. That's that's honestly a really tough one. I mean, if one. nothing jumps to mind immediately, then you've probably been to some that means pretty that unique the, weddings. Yeah. yeah, You've been to a lot of good weddings. That's that's good. Yeah, I think we've been fortunate that there's a lot of variety in mm-hmm. them. And I think a lot of people just don't want super traditional weddings, mm-hmm. really. So it's not like it's cookie cutter every yeah. time. A lot of stuff is the same, but so much is different and, and individual to each wedding. Hmm. Which helps the ADHD brain. It soothes it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> what's like? What's the most beautiful like backdrop wedding you've seen? Like, where's the like a nice spot? You'd like okay. If I could get married again, like I would consider this. We had a backyard wedding. Not us personally. Mm-hmm. We we covered a backyard yeah. wedding that was near Agassiz. And it was up on a mountain, and you could see the river running through mountains just in the backyard. Mm-hmm. And it was just a gorgeous backdrop. Uh, that one I really liked. I mean, one, one of the coolest parts about living here in the lower mainland BC is you can pretty much look anywhere 360 degrees, and there's a mountain. Yeah. And it's just gorgeous. So it's it's pretty hard to miss with, with venues in, in BC. One of the most beautiful places in the world, I think. I am very much in agreement with you. Yeah. Support local. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> our, it, it makes our jobs a lot easier. I'd feel really bad being a wedding photographer, videogra- videographer in, like, Saskatchewan. Yeah. <laughs> but then you have to... Really have to... relying on buildings. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you can, like, get some nice rustic shots, like, you know, with, with like, a, like, an old barn or an yeah, old grain silo. Yeah, grain yeah. silos, for sure. <laughs> Or like an old like church or or schoolhouse or something like that. You could do that in BC too and have a mountain in the back. That's true. <laughs> I mean, there is something to be said for that like that rolling flat land that you're like, oh, it goes on forever. That's it does. true. 
That's true. Um, you know, like, like wheat fields, those can be really nice. Yeah. Really nice. But yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd rather have a mountain. Yeah. That's just me. Totally. It's I'm hard to be. I'm a little biased. So when you're not watching videos about videography, what do you what do you do for your free time? What, what, what currently are you doing? Well, as I previously mentioned, I'm a big nerd, mm-hmm. so I enjoy looking at computers, working with computers. I run um, a few servers with uh, with my friends. Um, so Minecraft server, we we've got. I'm not sure if you guys know about Rust. The game. I know of it. Yeah. Yeah. It always looked good, but I never got into it. Yeah. We we every every once in a while we'll we'll start the server back up. So I'll do that. Um, I'm hoping to go hunting this season, Ooh. which I'm excited for. Yeah. Might be doing duck hunting. Okay. Um, which is in season right now, and we've got rain, so probably next weekend when there's some puddles in the cool. in the flats. Nice. Yeah, I always I wish I had more time for that. We did we one of our other guests offered to take us duck hunting once, and we haven't taken him up on it. I I, I this is my first season yeah. uh, being like getting ready to go hunting, and I picked up a, a duck hunting blind, and they're the silliest thing because it's <laughs> like this it's called a layout blind, and basically it's a sleeping bag. Mm. camouflage with two flappy doors basically from the waist up if you're laying in the sleeping bag okay and so you sit there and you have the shotgun poking out the doors basically (laughs) and as soon as the ducks are in range you sit up and the doors swing open (laughs) and you take your shot (laughs) at the ducks and there's video of it and it's the silliest looking thing it's just a line of sleeping bags basically and they yeah. all just swing open grass goes flying and all the hunters pop up <laughs> it's like those like the, those uh those spiders that nest in the ground yeah and then they like pop out whenever something goes by Tra- trapdoor yeah spiders. trapdoor spiders there yeah. we go oh i learned an interesting spider fact the other day okay if we can go on a tangent a short tangent yeah uh how much do you know about cranberry bogs do you know anything about cranberry bogs zero Mike? No. I know nothing. Uh, so do you know that cranberries are hollow? I guess that makes sense. That's why they flood it, I that's, guess. That's why they, they float. float yeah. up. Yeah. So, so they float a piece of land, or flood, sorry, they float a piece of land so that all the berries float to the top, and that's how you pick them. Okay. Uh, there's a specific species of spider that makes its home in cranberries. Whoa. Um, it's, you know, it's a pest, you know, so rather than spray the entire um what's the word i'm looking field um crop crop thank you (laughs) instead of spray the entire crop of pesticides what they do is they get bigger spiders so cranberry farmers will uh hire quote unquote wolf spiders to patrol their fields and kill these smaller spiders that's wild yeah but what happens is that when it comes harvest time when they flood the field there's nowhere for those spiders, the wolf spiders, to go except for to the tallest thing around, which is the cranberry farmer. Oh. Yeah. So that's a creepy thing to think about. So all these <laughs> giant spiders are flooding towards you. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Those wolf spiders could get pretty big, they're too. They're huge. And yeah. they're fast. Yeah. And they do bite, too. Really? Yeah. Yeah, they do. Yeah. 
That seems like a yeah. real. I don't like, think it's super dangerous, but they do. Okay. Buy. Yeah. That seems like a big like you got to make a decision. You're like, okay, do I want little spiders eating <laughs> in the cranberries, or do I want to be covered in massive spiders that yeah. bite me? That's but a tough call. I was watching a video of a cranberry farmer who was talking about this, and they were like, I mean, yeah, you can be scared of the spiders, but who's scared of their employees? Because that's how he thinks of it. Mm. He thinks of the spiders as his employees. Right. That's cute. <laughs> I don't think the spiders understand the Probably not. It's not a voluntary program. It's not a voluntary <laughs> not, program. Not, not in this case. Yeah. Oh. Kind of <sighs> interesting, though. And Anyways. United Spiders. <laughs> that's so cool. Yeah. I, I love anything that they... That something natural that you have a, a natural problem like pest, some kind of pest, and instead of using a synthetic solution, you come out with a natural solution. Yeah. Like like birds with you know if you have a, a sparrow problem, then you bring in hawks and then the hawks patrol the area, or falcons or whatever it is. Yeah. You know there's this really really great uh, film on Netflix. Uh, Big Little Farm, I think it's called, something akin to that name, and it's it's this journey of these <clears throat> people, and they they buy this patch of land, don't know how to farm. They're like, oh, we're gonna do farming, cool, yeah, sounds great idea, and it just and they want to do it all organic, all natural, all regenerative, of course, and I'm like, okay, where is this going? And then they end up creating this beautiful ecosystem because they have one problem, and that problem is snails. Right? They have too many snails on their trees. Okay, well, how do we figure out fix the snails? We bring in chickens, and then the chickens eat the snails. Okay, no, now we have too many chickens. What do we do with all these chickens? Okay, well, we bring in something else that eats the chickens. And then we have too many bees, and then the chickens eat the bees. It's wild. And there's this, huh. this type of grass that isn't supposed to be there, so we have to f- find something that eats this grass. And it's it, a really cool movie. But anyways, that was a longer tension than I was expecting. <laughs> I apologize. But, I got started on it. No, I started I, talking about agriculture. It's my mistake. It happens. I just I love finding natural solutions to things. Yeah, that's all. Well put. Yes. Where where were we? Uh, I think we were on videography. Yes. <laughs> okay. All right then. Uh, Minecraft and Rust. Yeah. Oh, that's what we were talking right. about. Right. Yes. The the other hobbies. Yeah. Right, yeah right, the right, other right. hobbies. The other. Time sinks. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I had this discussion with someone the other day, and and I listened to a lot of podcasts. Um, surprise. And the experts in video gaming say that video gaming can be harmful, but the best way to have it in your life is to always video game with somebody else. Mm. Alone is usually a bad idea. Hmm. Which I found found very interesting. That is interesting. Uh, there there is some. To me, my favorite part about video games is being able to socialize, and I see it as a way to hang out with friends without having to go through the effort of we've all got to yeah. physically get together. Yeah, yeah. Which, as you get older, is a big pain. Mm-hmm. So what we do is it's it's all multiplayer stuff, and it's just a chance to get together, and that's yep. more what it's about. But that's that's int- was that a study? Uh, it was a uh, uh, I believe it was on the Ologies podcast, and it was uh, which is a great podcast. And it was a he's a Ludologist, which is a video gaming expert, which is a weird name for it. Um, but he he said that uh, I think it might have been pertaining to more to kids 
like when you're like parent to child. Mm -hmm. So if you're worried that your kid is like playing too many video games, you're not sure what's going on, Mm -hmm. then you should just set a rule that you can only play video games with them. Um, which mm. kind of makes sense because you also gain that bonding time at mm. the same time. So I don't remember the specifics, but I remember mm. that. That's very interesting. Yeah. Zach? So Minecraft, Rust. Yeah. Do you watch a lot of movies or does that? Because I kind of get the sense that you're more into like the techie figuring things outside of it and you're not so much a fan of. Yeah. Like, I. I. We we kind of live in North Hollywood. Yeah, it's it's interesting being in Vancouver. There's always productions going on, um, and I have people ask like, "Oh, there's this thing happening like in Langley or whatever. They've got this massive studio, or it's a set with like a hundred people." Mm-hmm. And I'm not interested in that because to me, the the larger you scale it and the bigger of a production it is, the less freedom that you have right. as an individual. Yeah. Um, and you don't it's it's not as rewarding to me i mean i say that and i look at something like the lord of the rings and the behind mm. the scenes and i just think oh just to be involved in some way in that production would be so cool mm-hmm. but i feel like that's more of an outlier cuz it's just a super cool movie it's true <laughs> yeah. yeah movies um but yeah you're you're pretty on the money yeah. i'm more into the figuring it out and problem-solving side of it. Yeah. I think that's common with a lot of people that end up with a career in film, which surprises me. That mm-hmm. It's a lot more, you know, like tech heads. <laughs> like, yeah. Because, I mean, you have to be pretty nerdy and into it to, to be good at it, I guess. I, I am a huge tech head, <laughs> and it, it is a problem for the wallet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> got, got to keep it in check, so it's... Do you... Does that... Um, kind of a flood over into your like daily life like do you have a lot of like kitchen gadgets or do you like you have every kind of coffee maker or like the high tech fridge or something like that I'm sure I would (laughs) if we had the funds true point taken (laughs) right now everything's going into the business basically Mm -hmm. and I actually have looked at like espresso machines because I just think it's so cool the process behind it. Um, but it can wait. Mm-hmm. It can wait. Those machines are like a thousand bucks. Oh yeah. And I'd rather get a lens at this point. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. I saw this. There's this new thing on the internet, and it's this machine, and it basically you put it on your counter or whatever, and you can take all of your food scraps and put it in there, and it turns it into dirt. But it's like a, a day process, and I I'm really questioning it because I, I see, don't. They, they've been around for a little while. Yeah, they're, they're just more common now. I think. I don't remember. What How it's much called. of it is machine versus just like an engineered? I think container. it's well, it's it's it mulches it. I think, and then it also like um, increases the heat. Yeah. And like, yeah, it's like a speed compost. Yeah, basically, like, it's like you, a microwave yeah. for compost. It's, yeah, it, it basically <laughs> like uh, it, it basically heats up after it mulches it, and then like hydrates it enough so that it starts like becoming soil. Yeah, because if you add, if you take whatever it is, and then you add enough heat and moisture in a confined space, you're gonna it's gonna compost a lot quicker than you expect it to. Hmm. Really cool. Yeah. Have you guys ever put your hands on like the the compost bins? And you mm, can feel how warm it is. Warm, yeah. yeah. 
It's so weird. Yeah, it's interesting. It's so interesting the way... Because, I mean, it's only warm because the the bacteria are putting out energy, and energy is heat. And mm-hmm. it's so cool. Mm-hmm. Really cool. Like, that's an entire ecosystem in your compost bin. Mm-hmm. Like, and you don't even think about it. It's like, oh, it's just a banana peel and some, you know, leftover Chinese. You just toss it in there, and they take care of the rest. Yeah. It's fascinating. Incredible. Mm-hmm. The amount of things that happen in our day-to-day life that we don't even think about or appreciate and it's like no that's billions of little tiny creatures that are doing things for you like your human body like mm-hmm. your gut health yeah your gut flora yeah you know all the bacteria on your skin ah it's so cool i have a book recommendation you might have read it already um it's called gut by mm. yulia enders i'm gonna botch the name yulia with a j it's julia you should but sure you can write it as Julia. Okay. What's it about? Um, it's about guts. <laughs> I wouldn't have guessed that. Basically, um, from the entrance to the exit, uh, and it, mm-hmm. you can figure that out. Um, right. And it, it covers everything in a super engaging way. Uh, uh, so I believe it's Dr. Enders. I think she's a doctor. and she all doctors. She yeah. has devoted her life to studying the gut. Mm-hmm. And everything, everything involved with it, and she just spills it all out, and you you get to read about all sorts of crazy things like, um, like aller- allergies and sensitivities and the difference between those. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maintaining all the all the bacteria in your gut and how that can change uh, your mood and everything like that. And it's just a, a wild read and super informative and very engaging. It's a, Interesting. It's a very easy recommendation to make because wow. everyone loves it. I like that. I mm-hmm. like that a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people don't... We just take it for granted. And it's like, hey, your body is super interesting. Mm-hmm. And if there's like one little thing that's wrong with it, it screws everything up. Have you have you guys noticed like if you, if you eat something or drink something and how it shifts kind of how your day goes? Ugh. I had some of those, what are they called, pizza bites? Oh, the pizza pocket? Oh, or yeah. like the square ones? Yeah, the square ones. Yeah. Uh, my wife bought some. She was like, oh, these look okay. So we had some one day, and then we went about our day, and at the exact same time when we were like walking around doing errands, we're like, oh, I feel like I have a rock in my stomach. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> it was horrible. Yeah. The Costco yeah. hot dog. Yeah. <laughs> it's a dollar fifty. Yeah. But every For single time reason. I'm like, okay, see you in six months, hot dog. Yeah. Like, I'm not buying this again. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. But really? Pizza yeah. pockets. Yeah, the, it, the, yeah. No yeah. never see, again. That's that's yeah. why that's why we abstained that night. Yeah. yeah good thing yeah. we didn't. <laughs> Have you noticed stuff with sugar? I like, I consume a lot of sugar. I'm definitely honest. pretty hooked on sugar. I think. Yeah, yeah, and that's a real issue. It is. Yeah. What do What do you mean specifically? Just Just the impact that it has. Mm-hmm. Like I find if I have like a sugary drink, especially l- either early in the day before I've eaten anything, or late in the day when it's close to bedtime. Right. It just totally messes me up. Mm-hmm. Um, either it'll keep me up um, before bed, or in the morning I'll have a headache then for you know the next four hours mm-hmm. you just feel drowsy yeah it's people i mean not going into too much conspiracy but we are definitely conditioned to want sugar mm-hmm. and also simultaneously 
not realize the risk and the effect it has on us because, mm-hmm. I mean, people want to make money and they want to sell us sugar, mm-hmm. right? And even the things that you don't think have sugar in them have tons of sugar in them. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, it's like a, it, this is like a spicy food. There can't be sugar in it. No, there's a ton of sugar <laughs> yeah. in it. You know, it's, it's baffling. Yeah, it could be in rice. I mean, yeah. rice itself, it's all starch, basically, but, yeah. you know, throw sugar in the rice mix and it's really tasty. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. I saw, there's always that, that picture that goes around the internet and it's like the Nutella jar and then beside it is the Nutella jar with like the amount of sugar in it. And oh it, yeah. And it's half the bottle. Yeah. yeah. Half the bottle of Nutella is pure sugar, white sugar. And I'm like, that is so much. If you were to like eat that, a scoop of that sugar instead, mm-hmm. you would never do it. Mm-hmm. But they've made it so... Uh, appeasing right mm-hmm. you know appealing and they and they advertise it as a hazelnut spread mm-hmm. yeah when it's really a sugar spread yeah of course you're just spreading yeah. sugar there's no the nuts toast. in there what are you talking about like, <laughs> yeah. it's not peanut butter where it's like kind of good for you mm-hmm. it's no it's just sugar <laughs> yeah it's literally made by the same company that makes kinder surprise eggs and mm-hmm. ferrero rocher mm-hmm. it's it's sugar i i think back to like in high school where i just down a blizzard before a basketball game. <laughs> yeah. And a large Oreo blizzard from Dairy Queen, I, I know for sure it's over 130 grams of sugar. Oh, no doubt. Which is... It's insane. That's insane. I heard something once, and I don't know if it's true, but I I base my life on it now. <laughs> <laughs> Naturally. <laughs> yeah. Where uh, a gram of sugar is uh, a packet. Like, you know, when you go to a restaurant, they have the packets of sugar on the table. So if you think about, like, you pick up a bottle of Coke, that's 27 grams of sugar. So think about just opening 27 of those little sugar packets and just dumping it in your mouth. That's the nutritional value you're getting. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's gross. Yeah, I've really dialed back since high school Mm -hmm. and now since i've dialed back if i if i slip into the old ways i immediately feel it and it's like nope this is not good yeah i know exactly what you mean i cut out like i cut out most soda but especially dark soda for for a long time Mm. like i a rare occasion i'll have one but Mm -hmm. when you like crack a can of coke and you drink a can of coke you feel it like that yeah i'm like what is this oh yeah like, you feel it on your teeth, you feel mm-hmm. it in your stomach. Mm-hmm. I can't, oh, just mm-hmm. thinking about it, I'm like, no, I can't do it. What are your thoughts on diet drinks? I've always been told that it's worse for you mm-hmm. because of the aspartame, mm-hmm. which I don't actually know what that is, but everyone just says, hey, don't drink diet because it's got aspartame in it. I think part of it, and oh gosh, here now it's now it's speculation, mm-hmm. and heard it somewhere, but I can't remember where. But our our body doesn't digest aspartame. That's probably I, true. I think that's that's part of it, and so it's super sweet. It's like a fraction of a fraction of the content of sugar required for the same sweetness. Yeah, it's something like aspartame is something like six hundred times sweeter. Yeah. Than sugar or something crazy like that. And I think part of it is kind of the the unknown aspect. We don't know yeah. what aspartame yeah. does. Yeah, it hasn't been around long enough to really know. Yeah. Yeah. The the thing, I, I have looked into this a little bit. Um, Whoa. Aspartame the, is 200 times sweeter than sugar. Okay, 200, yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's a lot. So they don't have to use that much of it to get the same effect. Um, 
I learned that uh, a lot of those studies that say that aspartame isn't healthy for you, which, I mean, it's not, you know, it has its effects for sure. Mm-hmm. It's not as bad as sugar. And any study that says, oh, it causes cancer, oh, it's like this, that, the other thing, uh, were funded by... Big sugar. Know, big sugar, <laughs> essentially, yeah. Oh, yeah. that's gnarly. Yeah. That's gnarly. I, I'm, yeah, I can't imagine that it's good for you. I think the, but the, the bigger problem I think that people have like with, against diet sodas is that people then think, oh, well, it's diet so I can drink more of it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so that leads to people ingesting... Like seven more, more pops than they would necessarily yeah. Yeah, otherwise. If you normally drink one can of Coke a day and you're like, oh, diet's better, so you drink three instead, yeah. that mm-hmm. can't be better. Well, I know, I know people that are addicted to diet sodas, so like they'll, they'll have one in the morning, and then throughout the day they'll have a few more, and yeah. it's like, you're, that's still a lot of pop. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. This says here, and this is totally random, but <clears throat> it's top of Google. Both sugar and artificial sweeteners are addictive, but the artificial sweeteners like aspartame, aspartame, there's an M in it, may be likelier to make you to make you feel hungry quicker and oh. you eat more throughout the day. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. So the sugar satiates you for longer, but the artificial sweeteners make you hungry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I um for a while I was doing uh intermittent fasting, you know what that is? Yep. Oh, yeah. yeah, I love that. So I was doing that for a little while when I got round and uh one of the things, you know, you're supposed to ha- consume no calories for yep. for this amount of time. And I was curious about the effect that diet drinks would have if you had them during that time because it's no calories, right? So it should be mm-hmm. perfectly safe. Mm-hmm. Uh did some research on it and yeah, found pretty much that exact thing where it's like it doesn't have an effect on your fast but it does still spike your blood sugar response Mm -hmm. so it'll make it harder for you to get through your fast because it makes Mm -hmm. you feel hungry because your body's like this is sugar right this should make me feel full why do i not feel full oh wow yeah tricky tricky yeah yeah it's crazy yeah now what was your experience with intermittent fasting i loved it okay I, i had really great results and I keep meaning to start doing it again, and then just not. <laughs> but well, that's what I did. yeah, yeah, it. I had great results with it, and I felt amazing when I was doing it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I when I was looking to lose weight, I looked at intermittent fasting, and I ultimately settled on calories in, calories out. Yeah. Mm. Which they're they're kind of in the same vein. Yeah. But I looked at Noom, um, and I did. It was like a two month trial. Not a sponsor. It. Oh, gosh. (laughs) That's a joke we say. It's okay. (laughs) No name brand diet app. (laughs) And uh, it was was great. I, I saw results like within the first uh, two weeks pretty pretty easily okay. and it's it's designed in such a way that it's sustainable and it was like 60 bucks a month after that after that so yeah. I'm like okay I've learned enough time yeah. to <laughs> cancel the subscription and get out of here but the whole thing of it just makes so much sense we burn so many calories in a day um, and it's all about what you intake. You can exercise as much as you like, but if it's if you're eating more to accommodate that exercise, then you're not going to see the results that you're looking for. Right. It was just a fascinating, like, oh yeah, doesn't matter like how much time I spend at the gym or whatever. It's just it's calories in. That's what it all comes down it's to. It's literally just a balancing act. Yeah. 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 
And so that it, it was just such a simple way to go like, okay, monitor it for, you know, a couple weeks at a time or whatever, track the calories and kind of like get back on track with mm-hmm. it. And then after a while, you just kind of get the feeling of like, oh yeah, like this was a high calorie day or whatever. And mm. it, it was really, really effective long term, I think. Interesting. Yeah. And I find with anything like that, you become more aware of your body, right? Like you were saying, you know, when you go these longer stretches and then you have, you know, caffeine or sugar later early in the day, you feel it and you're more aware of it. Whereas normal people, or not normal people, but somebody who's not really paying attention to what they intake, they're like, oh, you know, I just feel whatever I feel today. They don't really notice it. But when you're what's the word I'm looking for? More conscientious, more deliberate with what you intake than you notice how that changes your mood, how it changes your body, your gut digestion, everything. It's like budgeting. Yeah, yeah. similar. You you look at your your income, you wonder where the heck is all this money going? Yeah. <laughs> and you find out you've got twenty Netflix alias subscriptions <laughs> 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 and you gotta cancel a bunch. Yeah. Yeah, that's tough. It's tough for a lot of people, but I think that's, yeah, everyone should try. Budgeting or? Both. (laughs) Both. Budgeting is also a great idea. It's great to budget even just for one month to look Mm. at your past month and how does it look. Just Mm. set aside a couple hours in an evening and look at it and it's eye-opening. It really is. And even if you don't budget for however many years after that, you have such a better idea than had you not done that one month. Yeah, you have a threshold. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I usually, like, look back at, you know, because, I mean, it's all credit card at this point. Like, I rarely pay for cash unless it's, like, you know, Facebook Marketplace Mm -hmm. or a donation or what else do you use cash for? Oh, my hairdresser, he only takes cash. Mm. Uh, Barber, sorry, he's a barber. I haven't been there in a while, I'll be honest. Really? Yeah, shocking, right? <laughs> um, <clears throat> it's out of business now. <laughs> it almost was for a while there, but uh, no, they're doing great. Shout out to Barberville. Uh, they do good work. Um, what was my point? I don't Interesting. I'm going to read that book now, the one you suggested to me. Got oh, it's a great read. Yeah. Okay, do we want to go back to the video thing? Do we have more questions on that? Before we just continue on these random tangents. Yeah, I don't think I had any more questions. I did have one. um, Well, I guess I don't know if we covered it completely, but like, how do you feel like living in a not living, but you're you're working in an environment that really wasn't is niche and it wasn't around ten years ago, right? Mm -hmm. So is that do you are you a little bit scared because like oh what if something better comes along and I'm not needed anymore? More so than that, it's been the pending recession Mm. that we're looking at. How many people are going to be spending money on a wedding video when there's not a whole lot to go around? Same thing with businesses. If they're tight on cash, when are they going to be spending? But the more I think about it, the more I realize, and to the first point as well, like it's only been such a recent development, but it's here to stay. You think so? Absolutely. Yeah, that makes sense. More and more, everything's online, and that's what gets consumed. It's it's video content, whether it's advertisement or entertainment or whatever. Video is not going anywhere. 
No, of course not. It's only growing and improving. And now we have our phones, which can shoot fantastic video. Mm -hmm. And that's really exciting. It just, it just keeps, keeps growing. Do you as a videographer see that as a threat? No. Like the accessibility of a really, really good camera to everybody at all times? No, because more more important than the camera body or the, the light is, or the lens, is the light. The light is the most important part. Right. You can have a $15,000 cinema camera. Okay, I shouldn't make that comparison. You can have a you can have a $3,000 great great hybrid camera and you can have an iPhone and you can shoot a way better looking video on the iPhone if you know what you're doing with the light right. versus if you don't know what you're doing with the light with the expensive camera. Yeah, cuz I I work at a photo lab and I can tell you that the the kind of people that have like professional photos done, you can see when they come in like if photographers that know what they're doing and ones that put filters on their things and it looks awful yeah like it it, there's a big difference yeah i guess i just more mean from a business standpoint like especially like you mentioned you know a coming recession um the accessibility of you know the the phone in the pocket versus a, a service that one would have to pay for in the same way, I, I'm worried about the iPhone and however good the camera is in the same way that an artist would be worried about the pencil being available right. to everyone. It, it is an art at the end of the day, and it's a, it's a skill that you have to refine over years. Um, and regardless of if everyone has a great camera or not, you still set apart your content with that skill. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I get it's the same thing. Like, the I've seen people's real sh- shitty photos. Like, people think that they can take photos yeah. with their friends at night. It's, it's real bad. Yeah, it's real bad. Yeah, like I. Yeah. I'm not to you be clear. I'm not saying that I think you have something to be worried about. I'm just curious about your perspective on it as it's, a professional. It's something I've I've thought about, and honestly, I'm more so excited because it means that I can have a great camera in my pocket at all times. And I think that's the coolest thing. Some of the most attractive cameras to me are the smallest ones. Hmm. The ones that I can throw in my coat pocket and take with me on a trip. Yeah. I sold, I had an old, um, old, I had a Sony a6100 and it was this excellent camera that did great 4K video, took awesome photos and the lens retracted when you powered it off and it was this tiny little footprint camera and I could take it with me anywhere and then we switched to Canon and now I'm sorely missing that small camera. Mm-hmm. It's I really value that so I'm, I'm excited to see where phone camera tech goes but I don't think e- that said, I don't think that it'll surpass or be level with the more pro cameras, and the reason for that is glass. Right. It's very hard to replace glass and sensor size of the camera. You can't have, um, we call it a full frame sensor, um, or about 35 millimeter image sensor. That'd be pretty tough to have on a phone. Um, and what that adds is that feel of the really soft, blurry backgrounds that you get. And now we have AI that does that. Yeah. But the quality of it is miles different yeah. when, when you're looking at an actual, you know, a three pound lens that you're realistically just not going to be able to fit on a phone. Mm-hmm. 
that'd yeah. be, that'd be well, that, that's probably that's probably a, 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 an incentive for you is that when everyone has really good cameras, you can show them like the, this is what I can do with this camera, and this is what you're doing, mm-hmm. and like you could show them like this is the quality that I'm offering. Mm-hmm. I love I love this discussion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad. Yeah, I. I'm not sure where I'm going with this question. <laughs> Shoot. You haven't started yet. I haven't started yet, so that's the thing. I was going to ask about AI, but I didn't want to get into that yet. Um, yet? Well, <clears throat> we like talking about AI. Okay. Um, AI helps me out a lot in my job. Do you think that we're... What do you think the technological landscape is going to look like in 20 years? Broadly? Yeah. It's, it's kind of insane already. If you look at, I believe it's copy.ai is the name of the website you can you can try it out for yourself but basically you can put in a prompt and select where you want that the destination for this text content it i I should explain it's an ai like content generator for text Mm -hmm. and so you could say i want an instagram caption about cows Mm -hmm. and uh it'll give you a caption about cows and it'll give you another caption, and you can select from options, and it's scary. It's honestly, I mean, we could try it right now. It's it's super it's super easy to, to give it a go. Can I do it on my phone? Yes. I believe it's copy.ai. Is that the main one that helps you? You said AI helps you in your job. Is there anything else that you're utilizing? Oh, not, not that so much. That's just a broader landscape thing. Um, we've used it a little bit to write like our website copy. Hmm. Uh, I shouldn't say write. It gives you a starting point. Yeah. So you never encounter that writer's block. You yeah. just start with inspiration to, to work from. Where it helps me is with video stuff. Like I say, uh, video, it's 24 photos every second. And where you could Photoshop an image, you're not Photoshopping 24 images every yeah. second. Not, not with the smaller budget that we have. Um, so... Oftentimes it's AI to whether that's motion tracking. So for one wedding, I had to digitally remove a mosquito from the groom's forehead. (laughs) And so I basically, I, in the software, I tell it, okay, this section of the forehead, I want to replace this mosquito here with a, a skin tone, basically. And it works with it. And sometimes I need to correct it a little bit, but I don't have to go through every frame. Right. I can just tell it and it'll it'll work away. Yeah. And now it's it's to the point where for color grading, which is a very underappreciated aspect of videos in general, I can select a person just by basically clicking on them and yeah. grade them individually from the frame, which is really powerful and and helps a lot. Have you dove into color grading very much? Because you're right, it is very underrated. And if you notice it, like if you can start to notice bad color grading, mm-hmm. it like ruins a lot. <laughs> color grading in in itself is a whole career. Yeah, I I know colorists. It, that's that's their living. Yeah, they have a big office, a massive screen that's calibrated. You know, at whatever interval. Um, and that's what they do. It's it's fascinating. Their room is uh, it's a neutral white balance. Oh, you're trying the. Oh, the I tried copy. it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to make an account, 
and uh, copy AI. What does it tell us about chaos? Um, I How much did it charge your credit card? <laughs> Hopefully nothing. I don't think I have my credit card on my Google, but I probably do. It does a trial thing, and then once it runs out, it just says you need to upgrade. Oh, you can even ch- change your tone. So yes. I went with hobbyist, and then I went to Instagram captions. So I typed in cows and farming, um, and it chooses. You can choose a tone. So you can go friendly, relaxed, professional, bold, adventurous, witty, persuasive, etc. There's like 30 different tones. <laughs> yeah, we'll stick with friendly. So now it, it gives me results for my Instagram caption. Rolling hills, cows, and farming with animals. You know this is the life for me. Ooh, that's good. Ro- uh, cows are a perfect combination of beauty, awe, and adventure. They really are. Yeah. That's, that's the first thing that comes to mind. <laughs> when I, when I think, uh, beauty, adventure, and awe. Uh, a reminder that it's never too early to get out and enjoy the beauty of our rolling hills and cows. <laughs> and that's just, you just told it cows and what? And, and farming, yeah. Cows and farming. It hasn't mentioned farming yet. You, as you get more specific, like, it's it's scary. That's I'm, why I'm not sure what's scarier, if you're not specific and it gives you something so detailed like that, or if you're more specific and it understands where to take it. I don't know. I'm scared either way. It seems to like rolling hills and cows a lot. <laughs> That's it, the thing about a lot of these twice. AIs, is if you play around with them long enough, you notice patterns. Yeah. 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 And you notice the things that it favors. You could say the same thing about humans, though. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I hang, if I hang out with you guys long enough, there's yeah. patterns for sure. That, yeah. You know, it's funny is like, because um, like when we do like uploading photos for people's like albums, like when they get like digital transfers from like f- like negatives, you have to like do like like a, a catcha kind of thing, and so it's just it's every time every time. So it's just it's every time we're doing it, we're feeding into a learning AI. Oh uh, yeah, and, mm-hmm. and you have to do it like maybe like. A dozen times. Oh, you're talking about the like select all the pictures with yeah. the street light. Yeah, that's yeah. why it's all related to road stuff. Yeah, yeah. To train the cars. Yeah. But yeah, I have to do it like you know, twelve, twenty times a day, when I upload stuff for people, every time. Yeah. Hmm. It's your full time. Yeah, I'm, I'm already working for an AI. <laughs> that's scary. Yeah. <clears throat> so to think twenty twenty years in the future, it. It's interesting. It's it's hard to tell. For a while, a few years ago, I, I went off into the tangent of what what happens if AI becomes sentient, mm-hmm. in, in a sense. At, at what point do we have a computer powerful enough to train an AI to learn independently um, and learn endlessly? How, where does it stop learning? Once it learns all of the concepts that we understand, at what point does it start exploring what we, what we don't understand and discovering that? That's so tricky. And I like thinking about it at the same as you and that the possibilities are endless. But I, I remember this quote <clears throat> from this talk that I heard once and it, it always stuck, stuck with me. We shouldn't fear the future of AI because whatever is created by humans will be just as flawed as us. Why does that mean we shouldn't fear AI? Because I'd fear flawed AI more than a perfect (laughs) AI. In the sense that whatever we create is still 
being created through the lens of humanity. Yeah, it, mm-hmm. it'll never be as efficient enough to rebel, I yeah. think is what the point I think, mm-hmm. you're, yeah, I think is what you're trying yeah, to Yeah, and we're yeah. never going to be able to create something perfect. Mm-hmm. So we're not going to create you know, the perfect AI that, that surpasses human nature and d- decides one day that we're not we should just be, you know, livestock in a tube mm. that we suck nutrients and energy from. That's. I feel like there's a screenplay there. Uh, I feel like it's been done. A trilogy, yeah, maybe. Perhaps. Yeah. Perhaps. Quadrilogy. Uh, shouldn't shouldn't have been brought back, maybe. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Something like Dot Matrix, or I don't know. We'll come up with something. Um. I heard this really funny argument about like how that's the most un- unefficient way that it, that machines could have. <laughs> had continual power is all the all the work and energy into breeding humans and then like having them captive in in tubes is so much more so much more inefficient than what other other means that they could have had at their disposal i guess that makes sense i never thought about that and you you'd have to nourish them yeah well exactly keep, keep them alive because well, it's like the, the i think in the i think in i think in the first matrix they say like they they like liquefy dead bodies and then it's like it's like a it's a cycle right but like the whole idea of like having the farms and then maintaining them and having a matrix and all that, all the energy for that, to run the, all the other machines, is so inefficient. They could have just gone they could, nuclear. They could have just done away with everything they needed for the farms and the machines to run the farms and had a different power source. But then what? I don't remember the matrix all that well, to be honest. But what's their purpose? What's the machine's purpose? Like, are they just Use they use the humans as energy sources, right? Yes. But what were they trying to achieve, or were they just trying to? They were just living off of the humans. They want to explore they, their they, hobbies. They, <laughs> they, 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 they <laughs> yeah, pretty much. They survived when humans nuked. Tried to destroy them with like nukes and irradiated the surface. Right. Okay. So that yeah, they just adapted. Hmm. The humans tried to destroy the robots with nukes. Yeah, I think it, in the first one, I think that's what they, they it's said. It's definitely they, not. They said. Yeah, I can see that Because it was humans that, yeah, it's been blotted, a blotted out the sun and radiated the planet. Now, huh. is that how different is that from Terminator? Because uh, Skynet, that's the same thing, right? Because there's a I, war between it's similar. the humans and the robots. It's, yeah, it's similar. I don't know. Hmm. I, I feel like those those movies were not designed originally to have really in-depth backstories. <laughs> they were just it was just a vehicle so that they could make a cool story in a post-apocalyptic world. So, I won't worry too much about it. They also were made in a time where you couldn't just watch it over and over and over again. True. Yeah, like I think a movie like The Matrix works better in 1999 when home video isn't nearly as prominent as it is now yeah you only so you go watch, watch it. it in the theaters and then a week later you talk about it with your friends but you don't really remember it all that well yeah and nobody really does yeah was that a better time for movies i think it might have been because mm-hmm. i think that like the constant picking apart and over analyzing kind of ruins things a little bit sometimes and everyone yeah. gets to complain on the internet yeah yeah and everyone looks at reviews and ratings and then before they've even seen the movie they go in with oh yeah this is gonna stink well then they just don't see the movie well yeah. also i think especially nowadays in filmmaking everything gets compared to things before 
mm. or things that are similar from before. That's true. Yeah. Also true in the 90s and the 2000s. Yeah, and but I think it was... They were still doing a lot of firsts. Because the internet wasn't around as much, you couldn't analyze movie Like, people that were are efficient at analyzing movies, uh, that information wasn't widely distributed to people. Yeah. Like Whereas this, now you can you can Google like you know the deeper meaning of Terminator Two, which is a, a I watched a really good like two hour documentary on YouTube about it, yeah. about the filmmaking of Terminator Two, which is really good. But like, you could watch that movie and never really pick up on any yeah. of it. But like, yeah, it, it's a double edged sword. Sometimes it's good, like the over analysis, like yeah. you realize how amazing a movie is. Mm-hmm. Um, by overanalyzing it like back to the future yeah. like that movie has no holes at all yeah. and it's something that you wouldn't know unless you watched it hundreds and hundreds of times and overanalyzed the crap well that's the thing like especially like, like that's a good example i know terminator 2 this guy did a, a very good in-depth with it he's like you watching the movie you don't you're mentally you don't notice these things but your brain recognizes these patterns that are in the movie that he like that he shows like in, in like every section of the movie there's like there's like a, uh a theme that kind of goes around mm-hmm. and it's like your brain recognizes it but you don't register it and then as he, as he goes through it and he's explaining it like you you grasp the concept and you're like holy like i didn't realize that this scene is reflective of this scene but it's a mirror of like the first movie because it's it's all it's all very great cinematography and great yeah. directing and an explanation of how, how it goes through too yeah what would be your guys' desert island movie? You can only pick one. Man, that's tough. My first instinct is to complain because there's no electricity on a desert island, so <laughs> there's an issue there. Coconut. Coconut. Use the coconut. You have a human farm. Oh. <laughs> oh, they're, they're, all, energy farm. they're all plugged in. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. We're using this human farm just so I can watch Netflix on this island. <laughs> and you can only watch one movie. Hey, you're you're <laughs> not really alone on this island, then, are you? That's true, I guess. But well, they don't talk about They're it. all in the Matrix, so oh. they don't care. At that point, I would just plug into the Matrix. <laughs> I just watched the Matrix. Oh, you're, yeah. you're the I wish for more wishes guy. I am. Yeah. I'm always trying to find that loophole. I'm like, come on. That's a terrible example. Um, but I know Zach has an answer, so let's hear his first. I don't know. I'm trying to pick between two. I, I think at one, I, I mean, I would maybe just say my favorite movie of all time, which is There Will Be Blood. Um, or at one time, I probably would have said Scott Pilgrim versus the World. That's, that's ooh, so funny that's that you said that crazy. because that's my Desert Island movie. Is and it? I, I was wondering if you guys are going to be like, what? Yeah. What's that movie? Every time I watch that movie, I catch something new. Like, it's so Same thing. dense. Every, every time. And, I, like, full I wanna, of stuff. I want to smack the table right now, but I was, Don't do I was it. told I'm not allowed to. Because <laughs> I'm so excited you mentioned that movie. Yeah. yeah. That's one of my favorite movies, too. Yeah. I watched it. I actually watched it a couple months ago. I haven't seen it in a few years. I've been meaning to rewatch it, but yeah, it's a hard one to stream. Yeah, it's not really anywhere. You need to get a Stars subscription through <laughs> Apple TV. Yeah, well, le- legally, yeah. <laughs> the, oh yeah, I, I am eighty. Yeah. <laughs> 
that is yes. that is a great one though, and that's yeah. that's my answer. Scott Pilgrim yeah. versus the World. It's just it's such a classic story done in such a unique way, yeah. and there's so much packed into it. Yeah, that there's so many jokes and so many little details in the background. In the, in the back, yeah, like yeah. The, the X's like throughout yeah. the movie. That's Every great. rewatch, you it. can find something new, and yeah. that's a good Desert Island movie. Yeah, to me. Mm. Yeah. Man, that's a good Hot Fuzz is like that too. Edgar Wright is just really good. Edgar Wright is really good. Yeah. Yeah. He's a little weird, but his movies are good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, weird is good for the world. I was going to. At one point, I would say Wally. Wally is a great movie. I love Wally. Mm. I think it's pretty much got everything you want in. That's true. In in a family movie. Mm. Wally's. uh, That's Pixar, right? Yeah, it's Pixar. I feel like almost any Pixar movie. Yeah. Yeah, but like. Pretty close, yeah. Yeah. They have just about mastered the technique of okay this we know is going to pull on your heartstrings if we put it in this order we know you're going to laugh here and they just have a really really well well polished story a feel-good story mm-hmm. but has, it, has anybody here seen soul i think soul is like one of the, yeah, one of the last soul. ones i haven't yeah. seen that one so, I, so I one single person yeah i haven't seen any pictures in a while and i know they've They've not been pumping them out as much as they used to. Soul but. was a really weird one, though. Yeah, it looked it looked odd. It felt like it was not for kids. Because mm. he dies, right? Yes, that's the premise of the movie. Yeah, he dies, goes to whatever you know mythological form of the afterlife they're using in this yeah. children's movie, and then he's trying to get back into his body and grappling with his own death. It's hmm. deep. It's yeah, yeah I don't know if it's a kid's movie but it might be what's the last one that you saw that was a Pixar that you can remember uh, Ratatouille <laughs> wow that was a long time ago well oh, okay last last one the last, last new, one I saw one. last, last new, new one. one that I saw yeah other current like, other are you still stuff? like pre tank or pre uh, frozen or probably finding Dory okay okay yep that was also a really good one it was pretty just good. just lots of moments that make you go aww, and lots of laugh moments too. Lots of sad moments. They really like hit all the emotional just like keys. Yeah, that's their thing. That's yeah. pretty much how they they're, do it. They're yeah. playing the emotional keyboards. Yeah, I know they have another one coming out soon called Elemental, mm-hmm. where yeah. it's like a, I just saw the like like a poster for it or something yeah. yeah it's like they everyone lives in this element city and then you've got like earth elemental people and fire elemental and you know it centers around a fire a, a fire girl and a water boy and they have to be friends yeah it, mm. you've heard you've heard it before you know <laughs> i have heard it before <laughs> i i wonder if a part because it seems like there's there's a consensus here that we haven't really seen the Pixar movies, the, yeah. the the recent ones. We're also not the target audience. <laughs> it it is a broad know. appeal. Well, it's so a super. It wasn't wasn't really intended for kids. Yeah. So. Yeah, fair enough. They fair. they master the broad appeal. Like I feel like we could watch whatever Pixar movie and come out like, yeah, that was yeah. a good movie. But why aren't we watching them? I and I think something was so unique and individual about their first movies as they were going through because those movies came about because they were exploring a certain technology. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, they were technological marvels. Yeah. yeah, and like Toy Story, they were originally looking at well, they weren't. It was the first CGI movie. Yeah, and yeah. they were they the people looked so shiny. They said <laughs> they looked like toys. 
Right. And so they switch it up. Let's let's make a movie about toys then. Yeah. And Monsters Inc. was exploring the the hair and all the hair physics getting into that. So you had Sully? Sully. Yeah. Yeah. Sully, and he looks awesome, and they create this whole world around this technology, which is fascinating, and it gives it this really unique charm because they have to work with what they've got. Yeah, they keep innovating with each one in in a different way. And, I mean, there's, there's so many... I know Tangled, it was her hair, hair how it again. glows yeah. like that, and the, the crazy effects there. The and, water in Moana. And yeah. you, you wonder, have they mastered it all, and now mm. it's just harder to come up with something really unique. That's a good point. And fresh. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, I don't know if Wally did a lot. I mean, did a lot, at least in terms of that, like the, the innovating. It's probably my favorite because it's it does a lot with not a lot of dialogue until like the the very late of the movie when they're on the ship with the people. Hmm. Like there's little to no dialogue for yeah. the first half, and then only a little, and then when there's people introduced, they there's some dialogue. It's innovative with its storytelling. It, yeah, yeah. It, it tells a really good story very yeah. effectively with little to no dialogue. Yeah, hmm. yeah, I love that about it. Uh, now, now that I think about it, it's it's really cool, unique, yeah, for sure. Nineteen seventeen, not Pixar. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that Pixar that was, World War One movie. Yeah. That that was crazy. They, I would love to see that. That would be <laughs> that would be great. Yeah. Well, we know the people won't look plasticky now because they got the tech down. Yeah. Oh man, but yeah. Sorry, you were gonna say nineteen seventeen. Just just from being in that world of making videos mm-hmm. that was jaw-dropping yeah. and also being into the the history, history. Yeah. of the the 20th century um dan carlin's podcast absolutely fantastic mm-hmm. listen mm-hmm. uh the blueprint for armageddon that Ooh. series is it's eye-opening uh it looks into the first world war and that's the one that I listened to. That's the only one of the series that I listened to. It's like 20 hours or something. It's a lot, yeah. yeah. It's fascinating, though. Yeah, yeah. He, Dan Car- Carlin has a way of getting into the details and just keeping you engaged the whole time. Yeah. Um, he, he goes into how it all set up, all the tensions, all the geopolitics. Really interesting. <sighs> that's so cool. Um, but I, I, So I'm into that, and then the whole filmmaking just ingenuity behind 1917 and I'm looking for all the transitions where they could have made mm-hmm. the cut to their okay. next shows next scene that's beautiful and it's so well done yeah and yeah it, it's unique because it puts you in the shoes of the character mm-hmm. there's no scene changes and it's ultra immersive for that reason which was really really cool and he gets knocked out and we have the passage of time but it makes sense because we were knocked out with him yeah oh i love it i love it uh there's two scenes for sure that i love one was when the airplane crash was coming down on the farm mm-hmm. that was amazing how they did that and then the end scene with him uh like running through the the fiery city gorgeous yeah oh yeah Vis- visually stunning there's uh, I'll recommend if you're into that. Uh, there's a German movie called Victoria, where uh, something like 1917. You know, you know it wasn't actually one shot, right? They're hiding cuts in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, Victoria was actually shot 
one shot. Like it's uh, it's over an hour and a half long. One shot. take. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No yeah. breaks. No breaks. Wow. Yeah. None whatsoever. And it's just it's about this girl Victoria who kind of gets you know caught up with the wrong crowd one mm. night in Germany partying. Gotcha. Yeah, it's really, really cool. And like a lot of the dialogue is improvised. Obviously, it would have to be with a project like that, but it's really cool. Yeah. That's awesome. That's almost more impressive on the acting standpoint. Yeah, yeah. I the, would say so. The acting is amazing in that movie. To to go through, I'm sure there's a ton of emotions yeah. that they need to go through, and they're probably tired, you know? Yeah, by it, the end of it. Yeah. yeah. You know, if somebody messes. I think I read, though, that that movie didn't take that many takes. Like, they didn't do it that many times before they were like, that's, that's it. Yeah. This is the movie. That's so interesting because you know that you don't know how what it's exactly going to look like when you start because yeah. it's so much ad lib and so you don't even know what the end product looks like and then you say okay that's good enough yeah oh that's yeah. interesting to think about yeah but yeah i feel like we need we need more movies like that just as long of takes as you can like there was in the um in the Pride and Prejudice movie, yes. there's a really nice scene with, with the family in like in and out of the house. Yeah, it's like this really long scene, really, really cool, really cool. It's That's just, with all the sisters, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 That was a good one. Yeah, movies are great. Movies are great. The things they can do with cameras, man. We like mm-hmm. movies here on the we Modern do. Rustic Podcast. It, yeah, it's true. We should probably call it the Modern Rustic in Movies podcast. But we can't change the name now. It's no. too late. It's too late. Um, okay. I have another question for you. What do you... How do you feel about everything? I mean, you're biased. <laughs> how do you feel about everything? <laughs> well. <laughs> uh, like, obviously you're biased because it's what you do. But what is your... What is your opinion on everything being documented? Like all of our lives, day in and day out. Like every, mm. you know, there's some people that I know that their entire life is on Instagram. Like they take three or four pictures, and you know, they put reels up every day. And like, is that is that healthy? I feel like we know the answer to this. <laughs> I have my it's, opinions. It's, it's it's great discussion. Um, yeah, I feel like it's not very healthy. It's great to be able to look back, and we love to be sentimental and remember things. Um, that's part of why I love doing the wedding videos. But you think back to like when you're a kid and a teenager, and you're figuring things out, and you're being kind of stupid. Mm-hmm. And for everything to be permanent and shareable, it's like... We have to learn so much in those years, and I think there's a, a degree of privacy that's that's deserved um, or, or entitled, and I, I feel like youth today don't have that, and it's kind of tragic, because how are you supposed to, you know, learn how to be a person when any mistake that you make, people could be whipping out their phone and boom, it 200 people have seen it in five minutes. Yeah. Um, that can't be healthy. But at the same time, it could regulate behavior too. And maybe people are more careful about the decisions that they make. 
Mm-hmm. I think people should have room to make mistakes, though. I when, agree. When, when, especially when they're young. I like that. I like I like your perspective on that, because I I, I I I would tend to agree with you. I think that, yeah, you if you advertise everything you do, and you do a lot of dumb stuff, that's gonna that's gonna sit with you way longer if it's on the internet, mm-hmm. and people are gonna be like twenty years later they're gonna judge you on stuff you did back then, and it's like, mm-hmm. well, no, 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 I'm not that person. That's why there should be a social statute of limitations. A social statute of limitations. I yeah, like that. Like after five the years, the internet should be wiped. <laughs> you know, well, oh, I'm down for that. Maybe, but like yeah. after five years, it's like you know, you can't really have like something dr- drudged up and be like, "See, you said this," and be like, "Well, mm, you know, interesting." It's, it's been five years. Check the date stamp. Yeah, I, I, I don't share that opinion anymore. So like, you can't hold that against me. It's a it's a great idea, but that'll never happen. Absolutely impossible now. Like yeah. there's the what's it called the Wayback Machine. You can look at any website. Um, it basically since the 2000s, yeah. it, as it, it was scans back through. Right? Yeah. yeah, so I use it to look back at the old RuneScape website <laughs> <laughs> to see uh, to see what it looked like and relive my childhood a bit. I feel you. But that it's scanning across basically the entire internet yeah. and anything you write it's on someone else's computer mm-hmm. someone else has it stored there's crazy people who love data hoarding and they just scan the internet and download it all um, it's not going anywhere once it's up there I think our education system is going to catch up and I think you know as early as elementary school kids should be taught like this is the reality now I mean we kind of grew up at a time where it's like the Wild West, truly the Wild West of, mm-hmm. of this crazy life, I mean, culture, human-altering technology, um, and we lived through the Wild West of it. But I feel like we're sort of starting to exit that stage now, and now the younger generation can be educated like, this is super powerful, um, be careful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just become a utility, like, like indoor plumbing, <laughs> but yeah. a bit more dangerous. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Interesting. Hmm. Do you think that memory? You know, like I, you know, <clears throat> you've gone to a lot of weddings. You've been at a lot of weddings, and they they always have the wedding slideshow. You know, pictures of the bride pictures of the groom as kids and then they have pictures of them together and then they have a little happy ending and I think to myself you know a kid right now is gonna have like a thousand selfies in this this wedding video and I'm like are we just not gonna do those anymore because it's just ridiculous how many photos we yeah, have of 10 us? times speed the slideshows <laughs> yeah like 10x speed yep. and like from there, do we put less value on memories and on, like, you know, 30 years ago, you took a photo of something when you wanted to remember it. Mm-hmm. It was an occasion. It was an occasion. You go on a, uh, you go to the beach, you take a photo on the beach, and then you go home and you don't take another photo for another three months. But now we take photos hourly. 
Mm-hmm. Now we have 14,000 photos on yeah. our phone that we're never going to look through except once in a blue moon. Yeah. Like my Google Drive is full of photos of just stuff I've taken photos of. And I'm like, and I'm like currently trying to go through it because I don't, I don't have enough space. And I'm like, do I want to pay $30 a year just so that these photos can stay on here for another year? I don't know. And I'm like, do I, am I ever going to look at these again? I, if those are like photos you've taken and not just like memes you've saved, mm-hmm. I like our, our philosophy with our business is we never delete. Right. We always store it somewhere. Storage is so cheap. You could get a two terabyte drive for 60 bucks from Amazon. Mm-hmm. Pick one of those up and offload your stuff to that drive. Right. And just make sure you don't lose the drive. Maybe, <laughs> maybe put it on two and leave a drive at your parents or something. True enough. Um, but it's so easy to not have to delete photos. Mm. I'm not answering your 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 thought. That's though, okay. On, I like on, your answer all yeah, the same. That that's more of a comment on what your example there with the photos you have. But to to answer on the the value of photos and if they've been devalued, maybe there's a lot more subpar photos out there. Mm. But I don't think that those good photos, you know, where we would have a film camera or, you know, the point and shoots or whatever, I don't think those are going away. Hmm. We, we still stand there with the phone and we take the, the more occasion photo versus the selfies. And so they still exist. Maybe it's a little muddied and they're harder to find with all the other photos, but I don't think the value's brought down. Interesting. Interesting. Zach, what do you think about that? Yeah, I, I don't think that the volume or the, the value is brought down either. I, I think it's it's just now among a sea. <laughs> I, I think it's another avenue that people can use to express themselves, which is cool. I don't think it takes away from... I think people still take photos when they want to remember something. Mm. In yeah. a similar way that we would with a, a more dedicated camera, yeah. I think. Yeah. Fair enough. It's just more accessible. Interesting. Yeah, like I, you know, I'm I'm sifting through, you know, fifty photos, and then I'm like, okay, well, I took a picture of like this tree, but I took like four pictures of the tree. Do I need all four? But they're from like different angles. But then I can't decide which one is the best. So do I delete three of them and pick my favorite, or do I keep all four? You know what you do. You 3D render the tree and then print the tree <laughs> and then delete the photos because you have a real 3D printed tree. That's true. I can 3D print the tree. Well, yeah. we have that now. We could do photogrammetry with, if you have an iPhone 12 Pro or newer, mm. you can do that. You can scan in an object, create an object file with it with textures and everything, and you can 3D print it. Is that real? Yes, I've, I, I've used it in film projects before. I have before. an iPhone 12 Pro. You have an iPhone That's 12 so cool. Pro? Yeah. So that sounds like it could be really if, cool. you, if you look at the camera array, this yeah. little black dot. For the, the audience, it's the black dot on the bottom right corner of yeah. the iPhone 12 Pro. Not a sponsor. So that's not a sponsor. <laughs> so that's the lidar. That's okay. the lidar sensor, and yeah. what that does is it sends out a ton of little lasers, basically, yeah. and they ping back and tell the phone the distance okay. that it traveled, yeah. and so it can then 
if you're sending out, you know, a hundred or two hundred of these these little points, it can place those points in a 3D space. And so what you do is there's apps where it's like you hit record and you kind of move the phone around the object. And so it'll start to figure out then, okay, here's the dimensions of the object. Yeah. And it'll take photos with the camera and match those photos to where the 3D points are landing. So then you get the, the texture of it as well. That is insane. So what we did is uh, when I was going to BCIT for videography, um, we had a project and we had a CGI moment. And I was the whole thing is you're playing Mario Kart, but what happens to you in the game actually happens in real life. So Whoa. I'm like, I'm racing around and um, then uh, I get blue shelled. You guys all know, like, yep. basically get nuked. And we have this wide shot of me standing in the living room uh, with my controller, and I get tossed back at the wall, like, violently, like, slam into the wall. And it was a CGI me. So what we did is we used that scanner to... They basically went in circles around me to scan it, um, and my younger brother rigged me up, um in a 3D modeling software. And he was able to run a physics calculation and render it with fake 3D me getting sent into a wall. And we used the shot and the professor was blown away. But it That's was cool. just using a phone. Wow. That's really cool. Yeah, photogrammetry. Yeah, Photo photogrammetry. Okay. Yeah. They use it for uh, like video games now too, for like maps. Okay. So they'll actually, it, it's a more, they're not pulling their phones out. It's much more advanced. But that's where you get the very realistic looking um, terrains. I know like Battlefront 2 had that and it just looks insane. It's another level because it's a real world import basically. Mm -hmm. they, they find the asset they want to use. Did I say ass? Asset. <laughs> <laughs> they find the asset that they want to use, and they basically import it from the real world. They don't have to, like, have an artist create it from scratch. <sighs> Bonkers. Yeah. There was an older 360 game that did that. Was it Prototype? I've heard of that. I think it was Prototype that did it, but it was, like, the city that that game takes place in is just uh, Google Earth, New York City. Yeah, 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 I think it was Prototype. Yeah. That sounds familiar. I feel like that happened in real yeah. life. Pretty cool. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Just imagine where that text is going to be in like 10 years. Yeah. Oh, years. amazing. Yeah. Oh, because we have exponential growth. Now that we know that we can do something like that, mm -hmm. they have. there's way more people involved. Mm -hmm. And there's way smarter people involved. Mm -hmm. And they're actively searching for more people to do this stuff. Mm -hmm. Have you guys looked on Google Maps like in the past few years on a computer? Where they they have the three D scans of the city. Yeah. Mm. And I don't know if it's with a drone or what. And you can look at Vancouver, for instance, and see like in perfect three D D, almost perfect. It's like on a per meter basis. Like the umbrellas on a balcony. You can look underneath the umbrellas, and it's just yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy weird. Wow. That's crazy. I was shown a, a phone game two days ago, and it's. I don't remember what it's called, but you basically you download the app and then it puts you in a random place in the world on in Google Maps. Yeah. And then you have to like 
go down the road. Oh yeah, and the then, video of walking. You have to, and you get yeah, you have to try and figure out where you yeah, are in the world. Yeah, a yeah. geo guesser. That's oh, what I yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It. It's fun. Yeah, isn't that wild? It's hard. Yeah, it is hard. <laughs> I was blown away. Like we tried it once, and I'm like, okay, so there's like this little cafe, and then you like zoom in down the road, and you like look, and like okay, that has like a website on it. So, okay, then it says h dot hu. So okay, we're in Hungary, mm. so we know we're in Hungary. And then you're trying to figure out what city in Hungary you're in. I'm like, it was awesome. Hmm. I should give that a play. Yeah, GeoGuessr. Super sounds, cool. Sounds fun. It's it's very, you have to get creative, hmm. right? And you have to figure out how long it takes you to guess where you are. That's a fun, I played that one with, with people. It's pretty fun. There's a really cool one that I thought we, we were going to play. I'll try it sometime. But um, it's like a Wikipedia race. I forget the name of it. Basically, you you pick a topic, or you get random topics, mm-hmm. and it's like six degrees of Kevin Bacon, oh, but yeah. you got to do it with Wikipedia. So you get one topic to start at, and then you got to get one topic to end at, mm. and whoever can get there with the least uh, searches, you can only click links that are in the articles, so you can't search. No. Oh. So if you're in North America to start, and you have to get to Blueberry Fields... You have to use any links that are on the, the main page of that to get to Blueberry Fields in the least amount of time. Oh, that's fun. It's a lot of fun. See, that's the kind of game I like. It's I would, I'd be all over that. There's, there, I'm not sure if it's a theory or what, but it's the degrees of separation on Wikipedia from the Hitler article. <laughs> okay. And yeah. it's like, it's no more than seven, seven articles away. Any article. Ever. Yeah, I can believe it. Because I've played this game a lot, and you can, you can get the things pretty easily surprise no matter what the topic is yeah. like it, it doesn't sense. take a lot i feel like a pay like a wikipedia page like adolf hitler like there's so many things going on on that page yeah so many things yeah there's a lot of ways to link there hmm i want to try it now i'll try it later i'll, um, I'll send you the yeah i'm the, curious the, about the, that the, game. the link to the game one the game version of it that's it's awesome one but yeah that geo geo guesser one too super fun you just like trying like click where you are and it's fun it was good okay is there anything that uh in the media that you have been changed by recently like is there was there a a a move a video clip or a book or something that you want to tell us about you've already suggested multiple (laughs) movies multiple books uh multiple apps multiple video cameras it's great hmm yeah, I I mean Scott Pilgrim versus the World, great, great movie, super rewatchable, Desert Island Candidate for sure, mm. um, and polarizing maybe. Really, I I think either you you don't get it or you love it. Hmm. I guess it's been too long for me, cause I don't. We'll do a movie night and we'll watch yeah? it again. No, okay, I'd be fine with that. That seems like a good use of our time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, all right. Um, is there anything that we're not talking about that we should be? On the podcast. Or in general? In general? Um, is there something that you, like, okay, you don't know, not enough people know about this. I, I feel like now it's, it's sort of becoming old news, but social media is a poison. Hmm. I, I think it's responsible for a lot of problems that we face today. And not that it's necessarily a bad thing, just as the internet is not necessarily a bad thing or a good thing. It's a tool. But it's yeah. it's powerful. 
and we've got to be careful with it and regulate ourselves uh, with it. And I I feel like it's it's overlooked. Yeah, we are an immature species with godlike technology, Mm -hmm. and we have no idea what we're doing. Mm -hmm. I wonder if our society will continue along this trend, or if we'll clue in more collectively and mm. and write it write the ship i don't know if you can turn that one around yeah it depends twitter's imploding so apparently this might be this might be the crux that yeah, yeah. And people are Swings. rejecting the metaverse hard yeah and that's fine yeah I that's think... more of a business failure than yeah a failure but, but on... you know a huge social platform like that kind of collapsing and people not knowing what they're going to do or if they're going to change platforms, like, is an opportunity for people to kind of, like, reflect and be like, yeah, you know. There's a reason I it's never a big got a catalyst Twitter. for change. Yeah. 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 Hopefully. Maybe time to recover the password of my old Twitter account just to deactivate it to be <laughs> yeah. part of the statistics. <laughs> mm, that's not a bad idea. I actually, like, I, I was going to try and re- redo Twitter a little while ago because I have a Twitter account. I made it one day never look back I'm yeah. like this is dumb I don't need this but I have one so I still get like email updates yeah. from my Twitter so but it's like on like two emails ago so I'm like it's like you know you know like the junk email you have where it's like okay you use this email for all the stuff you don't want to see yep. yeah. anyways so now I have to go through there and figure out how to shut my Twitter down and it's annoying <sighs> the amount of time I waste doing emails so many hours it's a lot Anyways, you're right. I feel like uh, social media is going to be a big issue. It already is. Already is. Um, TikTok, I feel, is rough. Yeah. TikTok is rough. That algorithm is devious. Yeah. Well, it's mm-hmm. everything that we've had, but war- like just times 10. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, it's the the pinnacle of, you know attention spans right it's three second videos it's five Mm -hmm. second videos it's like okay if you're not doing something interesting within five seconds you scroll the next one yep or or two seconds or whatever it is right Mm -hmm. it's like so you're not willing to give this 10 seconds no i'm not Mm -hmm. that's crazy and that's Even that's just, not true, though. Like, you can upload videos on TikTok that are 10 minutes long. Yes. But you have to hold their attention. Yeah. Yeah. In Which order, is the same with anything. Is that good for content? I think it's good for content. You see a lot of stuff in, uh, like, five minutes. But does any of it actually stay in your brain? I don't know. The, me- the meme stuff does. Yeah. 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 Actually, I said it's good for content... But now I'm not sure, because I thought about this with music. We don't really have the slow burn songs, I feel like, anymore, where it has a very gradual build into the Mm. real meat of the song, because Mm. people want it now, or else they're skipping to the next song. Like, if you have... This is partially streaming services, too, where you have every song for free, so why not skip the song? You haven't paid for it. Um, And so now songs are very different. We've devalued it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. You don't have those real journey songs anymore, or they're very niche and they're not as popular, where you're kind of taken on this ride because mm. you've got to show your best cards right away or else people are going to skip. Yeah. And how long before, you know, mu- 
mainstream music that comes out is just chorus, chorus, or not? Is the chorus is the main one, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So it's just chorus after chorus after yeah. chorus. Like we don't do verses anymore. Been for a while. Yeah, we. I guess that's like electronic electronic music. Not even that, but like there's 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 music that's like that already. I've been like that. I guess I don't know. I'm not. I don't know music. Mm-hmm. Zach knows music. Occasionally, is there, is there music like that? Yeah, yeah, I'm sure there is. There's also, I mean, the the slow burn stuff does still exist. Yeah, yeah. But would you agree that it's more niche? I mean, sure. I I think that that stuff was always a little bit more niche. Like, you wouldn't hear Paradise by the Dashboard Lights on the radio. Mm. <laughs> Touche. Yeah. Touche. Yeah. I haven't listened to the radio in so long. Yeah, I don't, and it hurts me. I don't bother. I love it. I love the radio, but my radio broke. Because oh. I always listen to the radio in my truck when I'm just bombing around. And then, uh, that's driving. Uh, <laughs> for any police officers listening. Um, <laughs> just bombing around. <laughs> in my garage. Um, what was my point? Oh, yeah, because I, I like listening to radio because I like the spont- spontaneity of it. Hmm. Because I feel like even if I, you know, put a random playlist on and I'm like, oh, give me something new. I'm like, it's still, it's Hmm. still cultivated. Um, Anyways, but I like the radio because it always gives me me the new music too. Anyways, but my radio broke. So now I have like three CDs that I just play on repeat, on repeat, on repeat. And Hmm. one is like Zach's band, which is like heavy metal. Is it technically heavy metal? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's sweet. Oh, yeah. No Faith and Fortune. Check them out. No Faith and Fortune. Sponsor. Maybe. Yeah, one day. <laughs> one day. We, we had a, He had a concert earlier this year. Oh, amazing. I can. St- I still have hearing issues. That's how good it was. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It's loud. I love it. Anyways. And it's that, and it's Mozart. And then Will Smith. And so I just like go back, go back and forth <laughs> oh, between Will Smith and Mozart. That's a wide swing in TC yeah. music. It was great. It's like, okay, these are the CDs I have. Uh, what do I want today? All right. Many different moods. Yeah. Like, Mo- sometimes you're like, all right, classical, calm, and then it's like, okay, you know what? Let's get jiggy with it. Mozart. Are you a classical guy? Uh, I like to be. I, I'm a big Chopin guy. Okay. I really like his stuff. His, um, oh, what are they called? The, uh... Symphonies. It's not not the symphonies. It's like it's it's designed to be heard at night, basically. Oh, um, yes. That's the literal translation of it. Um, all it'll come these, to me. All these words, yeah. Yeah, it'll come to me as soon as we're done recording. Yeah, I'll remember on the drive home. Yep. Oh yeah. Anyways, those things from Chopin. Yes, got it. Yeah, I yeah I just find like there's a reason. Nocturnes. There we uh, go. Yeah, I was getting there. Yeah. There we go. Um, there's a reason that that music was so popular and is still that popular. Like, do you really think that we're going to be listening to, you know, Justin Bieber 200 years from now? It's unlikely. I'm not sure when Mozart was around. That opens up something very interesting, though. If we've been talking so much about how everything is almost over-documented, that's going to be a big jump when we're in the 2500s. And it's like, okay, we have the 17th century. We have these paintings. This was the first photograph. And we hit the 21st century. Boom. We have endless information on every single little detail of however many billion people. It's just... 
a big jump in information available. (laughs) And that's going to be very interesting for historians, I think. It's going to be a lot of work for historians. Yeah. Because they have to document everything that happens now. Well, they don't have to. It's already been documented. Well, yeah, I guess. I guess that's a good point. It's just so rich. Yeah. There's an endless amount of stuff. All the TikToks people shoot, you can do a study on that mm-hmm. and look at, oh, this was what suburban life was like in 2023. Yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting. It's going to be so well documented. Mm-hmm. Will we study it the same way? You know, will we just, you know, or, will, you know, when you're sitting in, you know, eighth grade history class and it's like, okay, we're doing a paper on, you know, the year 20. 25 and it's like okay just watch this video on it and you'll know everything you need check out the hologram yeah or whatever what yeah, there probably won't be as many historians of this era because there won't need to be as many True. maybe more like a librarian yeah and, mm. and a, cur- a curator just to be like yeah i want to know about this oh this is what you want to look at and search for yeah, yeah. so be interesting overwhelming amounts of history data yeah. points to look through and you gotta wonder like will people even care like mm. do we do we care i guess what i'm saying is you know if we don't have the luxury of knowing what everybody did like a hundred years ago because it was not documented but now that it is are people gonna care you know if we go a hundred years to the future and we're like oh yeah they did this it's not a big deal. I feel like this has parallels to your earlier question about those, the value of photos. Mm. And it's the same, I think it's the same conclusion, which is we have a lot more volume, but those quality points are still there. True. And I don't think those quality points are devalued. Mm. We just have more information on them now. Yeah. That's a good point. Zach? Yes. I agree. <laughs> All right, last question before we wrap up. What gets you up in the morning? Coffee <laughs> with uh, hazelnut. Mm. Hazelnut mix in there. Um, and my job. I, I guess, honestly, yeah, my job. That gets me up in the morning. Not sure how I got up in the morning for school. Didn't care about it. But it's just start the day, time, time to get some stuff done. Mm-hmm. I like it. Mm-hmm. Succinct. It also keeps me up. <laughs> so, As it should be. Double-edged sword, maybe. Perhaps, but it's one that you're willing to wield. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was a pleasure. Yeah. Really so glad great. I did yeah. it. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, we had a lot of good talks, so I'm glad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this, is, this was a long time coming, and we appreciate you joining us. I appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for the invite. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to tell the listeners before we sign off? I got to plug the business. Yeah. Uh, Link Creative. If you're getting married or you know someone who is getting married, um, we'd love to be a part of the big day. Uh, my wife and I, we do photo and video. And yeah, it's we just love doing it. If you've listened this far... You're pretty aware of that. <laughs> Where can people so, uh, get a hold of you? You can find us at www.linkcreative.ca. That's L-I-N-K, creative. Hmm. And you're on Instagram. Yeah, we're on Instagram. Uh, 
our Insta- we, we got to figure out the Instagram still because we have one account for the commercial stuff, one account for the wedding stuff. Mm. It's a little confusing. If you Google Link Creative, you'll probably find you. I think we're the first result. I hope so. We beat we beat a California company that was around <laughs> before us, mm. also called Link Creative, and we optimized our search engine stuff better. <laughs> so we're up there. Hey, you're a tech savvy guy. It makes sense. It helps. It sure does. All right. That is it for us. And uh, any final words, Zach? None. Any final words, Mike? Yeah. Okay. That's it.